We're going to be in. We're going to start in John chapter one, and we're going to read John one verses one through fourteen. And one of the things that I hope that you can see as we read this is, I want you to draw a parallel between what we just read in Genesis chapter one verses one through four and John one one through fourteen. Let's look at that together. John one verses one through fourteen. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as did receive him, to all of those that believed on his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, uh, the glory as the only begotten from the Father, Full of grace and truth. All right, I need to pause the sermon for just a second. Billy, you're trying to get on. All right, it's 841685. Sorry about that, guy. We're trying to fix a computer malfunction back there. Okay. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God said, let there be light. The light came and the darkness scattered. That was in the beginning of creation. And what I want you to see as we read and study today these passages, I want you to see that in Genesis, not only in Genesis, but in John's prologue, John 1 through 14, there is a reoccurring cyclical theme. Not only that, it's all through the Bible. What is the, the theme? That the world is covered in darkness, that God speaks, the light scatters, and God is glorified. And that's how what we see over and over and over again. And so today in our sermon, we're going to see five points that we're going to go through. Number one, we're going to see a preview. Now, I, I don't often use alliteration, but today I'm going to. We're going to see a preview. Verses 1 through 5, we're going to see the preview of God and who He is. Number two, we're going to see that God uses prophets. God uses prophets to speak forth His truth. Next, we're going to see that there was one, the prophet. So God uses prophets, but we're also going to see that there is one, the prophet. After that, we're going to see the people. You see, when God's word is proclaimed, the people receive that word. 
And what we learn is all of those who receive Him, all of those who believe on Him, He gives them the right to become children of God. But remember, when the light comes into the world, what does the darkness do? It scatters. And so when God's Word is proclaimed, evil creates chaos and scatters. So we see the people and we're going to see their reaction. The reaction is either one, they reject God in His light because they are dark, or they receive His light, they believe on Him, and they become children of God. And last of all, we're going to see the purpose behind Jesus' incarnation. He came, He clothed Himself in humanity, and He walked among us, and we're going to see that purpose. So, um, five things that we want to listen for today. We want to listen for a preview of who God is. The prophets, the prophet, the people, and the purpose. All right, let's start with a preview. Look at John 1, 1 through 5. The Word in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not, some of your Bibles say, the darkness does not overcome it, overcome him or it some of them say that the darkness could not comprehend him the darkness what it's saying is is that god's light comes into the world and where his light goes it does what it's sent to do and the darkness is never going to conquer the light right we look around us in the world that we live in today and we see all kind of darkness around us but the reality is is god's light is shining and god's will will be done in the end we win If you read the book of Revelation, that's the theme of that book. We are more than conquerors in Christ. Why? Because his light has come into the world and the darkness cannot overcome it. Amen. So let's look at these each one of these verses here. In verse one, it says the word was with God and the word was God. Now, if you heard me talking to the kids, a word when someone gives you their word, they're giving you their promise. They're telling you this is what is going to take place. And so what we're going to find out is the Word of God was with God and He was God. The Word was with God and the Word is God. Now that's confusing because what we're doing is we're touching on the Trinitarian nature of God. That God is one being but he's three person. And that's the thing that separate one of the things that separates Christianity from all of the other religions out there is the Trinitarian nature of God. You see, turn with me back to Genesis. Keep your finger there. We're going to stay in John, but go back to Genesis 1, and I want to show you something really quickly. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, how did he create them? Look in verse 3. God said, Let there be light. Look in verse 6. God said, Let there be an expanse. Look in verse 9. God said, let the waters be. And then verse 11. God said, let the earth sprout vegetation. In verse 14. God said, let there be lights in the expanse of heaven. In verse 20. God said, let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures. God said in verse 24, let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind. So how is God creating the world? He's doing a lot of talking in him. He is speaking. His word, his very words are bringing the creation into creation. Here's a big fancy uh, term for you to put in your back pocket and carry with you. It's the Latin term ex nihilo. And what that word means is out of nothing. 
Ex nihilo. That's a big fancy word. You can keep that and impress your friends with it. But the truth of the matter is, is if you think about what that's saying, we have all kind of inventions. We can, Billy's got a computer back there that somebody invented and, and it's not working right now, right? But the reality is that that computer was created out of parts. Somebody in China put a hard drive in it and it is created out of pieces and those pieces were created out of lithium and, and, and all kind of plastics and things. The reality is, is that computer was created out of things, right? And everything that you have and everything in this creation is created out of something. The difference in us as creatures, as creation, is that we are not capable of creating things ex nihilo out of nothing. We need something to make something. God created everything out of nothing. And what did he create it with? His word. The word of God was the creator. Now, I want you to look really quickly in verse 26 of Genesis 1 and watch this. I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not, but look what it says. Then God said... All right, God's speaking again, and look what he said. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all of the earth. God said, let us create man. Well, who is us? There's nobody there. It's just God. And what the scriptures is allowing us to do is he's letting us be a fly on the wall in eternity past to hear the Trinity in conversation. Let us make man in our image. Remember, we're going to learn in a few minutes that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, why did Jesus become a man? Because he is carrying the imago Dei, the image of God. We were created in the image of God. All of you in this room, we're created in the image of God. And Jesus came and died to save his people. He came to save his people. You and I are created in God's image. He died on the cross to save his image bearers. I love, we were talking before uh, the sermon today, I love my cat and my dog. I really do love my cat and my dog. But Jesus didn't die on the cross to save the animals. No matter what, they, we would love to think that Fluffy and Fifi are going to be in heaven with us. But the reality is Jesus died to save his people. There are going to be animals in heaven. There's no doubt it's going to be a new creation and the lion's going to lay down with a lamb. There's really going to be, there really is going to be animals in heaven. He's coming back on a white horse, so apparently there's going to be animals in heaven. But it's probably not going to be your Fifi or your Fluffy. I would like to think that it's going to be the ideal pet, the one that never vomited on the floor, the one that never messed up and chewed your couch up. I think that's going to be the pets we have in heaven. I think animals will be there. But Jesus died to save his image bearers. Jesus died to save his people. And so we understand that God, in the beginning, at creation, he was using his word, his promise, his power, the power of his word to create. Yes. Not only that, we see that the Word was God. He was with God. He was in the beginning. Now remember, we live in time. Y'all all all heard the saying, those who do not know their history are what? Doomed to repeat it. Well, the reality is, even though we know our history, we're still doomed to repeat it. You see, time runs in cycles. And those cycles keep happening over and over and over and over and over again. But in eternity past... Time was not linear, linear in the eternity past. 
And in eternity future, it's not going to be from point A to point B because eternity is eternity. You can't measure it. You can't put it on a line. And so God has been there from eternity past. He's here with us in eternity, and he will carry us with him into eternity future. He was in the beginning. All, look at verse 3. All things came into being through him. That is a major emphasis we need to make there. All things were made through him. What do we call it when we say that he made all things? He is the what? Creator. Creator. And what you and I have to be able to do is make a distinction between creator and creation. Every false cult and ism and religion out there likes to blur the lines. All of the false religions out there are worshiping something in the creation. We need to understand that the scriptures are very clear that God is the creator and we are the creation. And as his creation, we only worship the creator. What is it called when we worship something in the creation? An idol, right? The first commandment says, you, the Lord your God is a jealous God. You shall have no other gods, little g, before me. Yes. We are not to worship anything in the creation. And the uh, idol starts with the letter, I am usually the greatest false god in our lives, ourselves. Yes. <clears throat> So we need to make sure that we understand the difference between creator and creation. And the Bible is very clear all through from page one to the end that God is the creator and we are the creation. He is the potter. We are the clay. He is the one calling the shots. He is God. He's the creator. He's in control. He's sovereign. All right. So not only do we see that, that he is the creator, but we also see, as I told the kids, God is light. And not only is that talking about the sunlight outside, right? To let the sun shine in, we were saying that the other day. Not only are we talking about the light of creation, the stars, the moon. And, and have you ever thought about this? In that Genesis passage, God said, let there be light. And then it was the third day before he ever made the first star, sun, or moon. Have you ever thought about that? God said, let there be light, and there was light. But he didn't create the sun and the moon and the stars until the third day of creation. What happened? He is light. Yeah. When we get to the book of Revelation, you'll actually read that it said, In heaven, in the new heaven and the new earth, there will be no sun, moon, and stars. Why? Because he's the light. Yes. yes. There's going to be. Can you imagine a world where there's no shadows? Yeah. That's bright. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So we see that God is light. Not only that, we see, look, it says, he is life. Remember in the garden, God formed Adam out of the clay, and then what did he say? Get up and start running things. No, it said he breathed the breath of life into Adam's nostrils. And Adam became a living being. God is the one that breathed life in this soul. And each and every one of you in this room, every one of us in this room, myself included, have breath coming in and out of our nose right now. And sadly, most of the time, it is when we lose our breath that we first learn to appreciate it. Right? 
When you can't breathe, you really learn to appreciate breath. But every breath in your nostrils is a gift from God. And one day you and I will stand before him and be accountable for every breath that he put into our nostrils. What are we doing with those breath that he gives us? Are we glorifying him? Are we living for him? Or are we living for the creation? God is the author of life. And the reality is, is that if you're in this room today and you truly are a regenerate, regenerate born again, blood-bought child of God, it is because God looked in that heart of stone, that heart of clay, and said, let there be life. And what happened when he spoke life into your heart? You became a new creation. He filled you with his light. And now the rest of your life is going to be a battle about his light being in you and that darkness doing what? Not overcoming you and scattering. Yes. God's light is within you. And then what are we supposed to do? Let your light shine before men. Yes. He has given you life. He has given you light. The word of God creates the word of God reveals. Now we're going to see that in a minute when we talk about the prophets. Not only the word create, but the word reveals. The word of God judges. These words that we have before us are what we are going to be held accountable to when we stand before him. Yes. And that would be a horrifying thing if it were not for the fact that his word also brings salvation and redeems us and gives us forgiveness. His grace and His mercy are a part of His Word. And He promises, as we see in that verse 13, that all who receive Him, all who believe on Him, He gives them the right to become children of God. So God's Word creates, it reveals, it judges us, and it delivers us. We don't ever need to get away from the fact that God's Word is the Old and New Testament. And the law of God in the Old Testament judges us. And in the New Testament, we find as we flee from the judgment and run to his cross, we find grace and we find forgiveness and we find salvation. But we need it both. We need the law to constantly remind us that except for the grace of Jesus Christ, there goes I. God's word judges us and God's word forgives us. God's word saves us. All right, so that's the preview. Let's look at verses 6 through 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about light. Number one, this is John the Baptist. Why is he called John the Baptist? Because he was a baptizer. That's what we are. We're Baptists. We, We dump people. We submerge people. He's not called John the Rantizo, which means sprinkler. He is a Baptist. He dunks people. But why is this so important? Well, number one, this is not John that wrote this book that you're reading. We need to make sure that we understand that. John the Baptist did not write John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John in the book of Revelation. That was John the Beloved. Okay? So, John the Baptist is who John the Beloved is talking about right here. And we need to make sure we don't get them mixed up. Now, the way that you can know that John the Beloved, the one writing it, is talking about himself is, he never talks about himself. Anytime you read about John, 
in the books of John, he's never talking about himself. He's either talking about John the Baptist or he may be talking about Peter's dad. Peter's son of Jonas, John. So if you're reading in the book of John and it's talking about John, it's either talking about John the Baptist or Peter's dad. It's not talking about him. Because John was very humble and when the Holy Spirit was using him to write what he wrote, it wasn't about him. It was about Jesus. It was pointing us to Jesus and that Jesus is God. Jesus is the creator. And that's what John's uh, goal was. So this prophet, what do we know about these prophets? What do we know about them? Well, we know that they are messengers from God. They are spokesmen for God. And we know without a doubt that there are no prophets today. There's nobody speaking forth God's word in a new way today. I'm standing before you today and I am I do not have the gift of a prophet. Now, you in a sense you could say that I am prophesying why? Because as long as I'm speaking the word of God, I'm acting the same way that John the Baptist did. I am not the light. He is the light. And I am basically a bulb that lets the light glow. You see, I'm not a prophet. I'm a pastor. That's what I've been called to do. I'm not the one. And I'm never going to tell you anything. You'll never hear me stand up here and say to you, guys, God spoke to me last night. Unless I'm telling you that I read something really exciting in the Bible and I tell you what the Bible says. That's the only way that God speaks today is through his word. See, that's how he speaks. But all through the Bible, you will see that God has always had these prophets that would come forth and they would tell the things of God. If you want to turn, if you're in John 1, you can turn back one page to the left and we'll go back to a sermon we had uh, maybe last week. The road to Emmaus, Jesus said this, verse, this is Luke 24, this one page back to the left from John, Luke 24, verse 25. He said to them, O you foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he began to explain to them all of the things concerning himself in all of the scriptures. All right, and then in verse 44 of that same chapter, Jesus with his disciples, he said, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scripture. So Jesus is saying, Hey guys, if you want to know me and you want to know about me and you want to know why all of these other things are happening, turn to the prophets. Moses, right? Moses was a prophet. Joel, Amos, Joel, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Those guys are prophets. These are the people that were sent by God to proclaim or foretell what was coming. The New Testament apostles were prophets. They were given words by God to help to explain to me and you what the Old Testament prophets meant and now what it really means in light of the New Testament. They are prophets. This guy, John the Baptist, is a prophet. And what has he done? He has come to proclaim the Messiah. 
He's come to proclaim the Messiah. Now, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to turn there. You can if you would like. The last book in the Old Testament is the book of Malachi. It's the last book. We're going to look at Malachi 3. And what I want you to understand is, well, I'm fixing to read something to you, a prophecy to you. And then after Malachi writes that the Old Testament is closed, and it's going to be about 400 years... And then we're going to start the New Testament. So about 400 years after Malachi makes this prophecy, then Jesus is going to come on the scene. But watch what it says in Malachi 3.1. Behold, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clearly clear, or he will clear the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messengers of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord. So what Malachi the prophet is saying is, Hey, Israel, you are looking for your Messiah. And before your Messiah comes, I am going to send a messenger who will prepare the way for him. And once that way is prepared, he will come into his temple and show you who he is. Now let's go back to John. This is what John is saying here. John is saying that John the Baptist, and we'll see this later and later down the road, we'll see it more clearly. But what it's saying is, is that John the Baptist is the prophet who is the one who is going to announce that the Messiah is here. So John the Baptist and all of the Old Testament prophets are the prophets. We put an S behind that, okay? They are the prophets. Well, next what we see is this. Look in verse 10. Verse 9. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He, All right, so what's it saying? He came into the world, the world did not know him. Who is this that came into the world? Jesus, the Messiah. And what is so important about that, guys, is all through the Old Testament, all through the Old Testament, the prophets were reminding the people of Israel that the prophet would come. The truest and most purest, unadulterated messenger of God. And all through the Old Testament, all of Israel was looking for this prophet to come. And John the Baptist was proclaiming that prophet is here. Okay? So I want to share a couple of more verses with you. You do not have to turn to these. Still, I got another you don't have to turn to these, but you can if you would like. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. And verse 18 to 23. Acts chapter 3, verses 18 to 23. Now this is Peter. Peter preaching, and this is what Peter says. Acts chapter 3, verses uh, verses 18 to 23. But the things which God announced... This is Peter preaching to the people in Jerusalem. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all of the prophets... That his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. 
Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that the time of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus the Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive into the period of restoration of all things which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from the ancient time. Now look at this verse 22 and 23. This is very important. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up a prophet like me from your brethren. To him you will give heed to everything he says. And it will be that every soul that does not heed that prophet will be utterly destroyed from among the people. Now, I don't know what version of the Bible you're using, but in some of the versions, like the New American Standard, the Christian, a whole bunch of Christian Standard Bible, several of them make up a bold uh, or all capital letters of that verse. Why do they do that? Because they want you to know that Peter is quoting Deuteronomy. Peter is quoting Moses in Deuteronomy 18, and this is what he's saying. He's saying that one day God is going to raise up a prophet, the prophet from among your brethren. This is Moses talking to the children of Israel. One day God's going to raise up the prophet from among you and you will listen to him. And if you do not listen to him, have mercy on your soul. So all through the prophet, there is a prophecy of the prophet. And what John is telling us right here in John 1 is that Jesus is that prophet. He is the prophet. All right. Now, it says in verse 9, going back to John. Verse 9 says, there was a true light which come in the world enlightens every man. Well, what does that mean? What it means is, is that there is not a single human being. Boy, child, man, woman, alive, that is not exposed to not only the general revelation around them, which means the sunshine, that's light. Yes. But every human being within them has a knowledge that there is a real light. Amen. Yes. Right? Even a little kid that's two years old, it gets into the cookie jar and you ask him, what did you do? They put it behind their back and they say, nothing, right? Even at that age, there's the light has come and judging them, and what do they do? They run from it. Because within all of us, God has exposed us to the reality. Since we are created in his image, we all have that light within us. But the problem is, is that light is distorted, that light is fallen, that light is now darkness. The Bible says we are dead in trespasses and sin. And so what we need is we need the prophets and the prophet to speak new light into us so that we can be saved. We're all caught in the dark and the prophets and the prophet speak his word to us. And what happens? God says, let there be light. And the darkness goes away. But what it's saying is, is that every man, all of creation, because we're created in the image, all of men, because we're created in the image of God, we have we've been exposed to that light. Yes. It's called general revelation. There is not a single person in the world that is a true atheist. 
Yes. An atheist is someone who is in the dark and is trying to overcome the light. You can go to any college campus in the United States and you'll find somebody there protesting and they'll be saying they're an anarchist or an atheist. And what they'll say is there is no God and we hate him. Right? The reality is, is you will never go to a college campus and find a protest for the Tooth Fairy or the Easter Bunny. Yes. Because deep down inside, every person knows there's no such thing as the Easter Bunny or the Tooth Fairy. But every man knows deep down inside of him that there is a God. Amen. And unless God speaks new light into us, we will continue to reject that light. We will try to continue to overcome that light. Because if He is the light... I'm not. And fallen man doesn't want to deal with that. So, the Word came into the world. He's the true light. And He is the genuine disclosure of who God is. So, we've seen the the prophets and we've seen the prophet. Really quickly, we're about done. I want us to look at the reaction of the people and we're going to get more into that next week. We're, we're going to focus more on verse 12 and 13 next week in our sermon. But, but watch this. He was in the world. The world was made through him. The world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Amen. But to all of those who did receive him, to all of those who believed on his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. They were born... Uh, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So what did the people do? It said he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Now, in that sense, remember, Moses, the prophet, said that one day God would raise up a prophet, the prophet, among you brethren, right? Well, what, what is he talking about right here? He's talking about the fact that the Messiah came to the nation of Israel. He came to his own people. Yes. And his own people did not receive him. Amen. Yes. Now the reality is, his people are his sheep. Yes. And what he tells us in John is, is the, that there is going to be others that come that hear his voice and come. And then the two flocks will become one people. Well, what is he saying? He's the plan all along, if you'll see as you read through the prophets and the prophet and then you read the epistles and read Paul, you'll find out that the plan all along has been that the Messiah would come to his people, they would reject him, and the message, the gospel, would then turn away from Israel to the Gentiles. And then the Gentiles would receive the Messiah and the Jews would get provoked to jealousy and say, wait a minute, that's our Messiah. And they would then turn back to him. Yes. And that's been the plan all along. Yes. There are lots and lots of Messianic Jews today, are there not? People yes. that are truly born again, blood bought, children of God who are actually Adam's genetic relatives. Yes. But what it's saying here is that he came to his own people and his own people did not receive him. Yes. But to all of those who did receive him. So who does the Promise, who does the word, who does the light, who does the life, who does the love? Who is it proclaimed to? All of creation. Yes. And then the people will react to that word, life, light, and truth. And they will react in one of two ways. 
What are the two ways that they can react? One, they receive him and believe him. Or one, they reject him and rebel against him. But the reality is that that light is going to conquer and accomplish everything that it has been sent to do. I just made a statement this morning. Jesus is Lord, whether you want him to be or not. Amen. See, Jesus' lordship, the fact that he is God and that he is calling the shots, but it has nothing to do with what you believe. Jesus is Lord. And what it says is on the last day, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Yahweh. He's the creator. He's the word of God. And it doesn't matter if you're a believer or not, on that last day, every atheist that is protesting on a college campus will bow before him and say, you are the Lord. So, that light, that love, that light, that truth has been proclaimed to us, and now it is our responsibility to either receive him and believe him or reject him. I can't look into a single heart in this room. I do not know what you believe. I know that you are all very kind people. You have been very kind to me. I do not know what is going on in your heart. But it's either light or it's dark. And if you're in this room today and you know him and you know that his light is within you, then please share that light with others. Share his word, his truth, his promises with other people, his love and life. And if you're in this room today and you do not know him and you know that you need him, it's probably because his light is shining into your heart and saying, turn from sin, turn from darkness, turn from this world and turn to me. And not only will I love you, but I will forgive you and I will give you a new heart. I will make you my child. And that gift of salvation is offered to all, all, all who will receive him. All who will believe him. He will give you the right to become a child of God. So, again, what have we learned today? We've learned that Jesus is the Word. He's the promise of God. In verse 14, the final verse there, it says, he, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. God, the Son, clothed Himself in humanity and walked among us so that we can know Him. He told Thomas, He said, If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. Yes. Remember what I was telling the kid earlier? God created His Son. It's 93 million miles away from this earth, and me and you with a very good sunglasses still can't stare at it. Right. And this God who created that Son is way brighter. Way brighter. And what did he tell us? He clothed himself in humanity so that we could barely see his glory and his goodness. Amen. And the Bible says there in verse 14 that I think he is full of grace and truth. Yes. Grace meaning the unmerited favor of God. He's full of it. He's got it all. And if you're in this room today and you're a child, you have all of his grace. And he's truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Father, we thank you for this time that we had together today in your word. I do pray for each and every man and woman here. I pray for those who uh, are here. Maybe they're struggling to trust you. My prayer is that your word will bring light into their hearts and allow them to see you and know you. 
For those that are here today who do know you, Lord, I pray that you will be with them now and bless them and help them to uh, revel in the glory and the joy that it comes from being your child, from knowing you, from knowing your grace and truth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. How are we looking, brother? Okay. We're going to fly from the hip here. Um, I want you, Y'all got a hymnal there with you? Can some, um, 